Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. beheld another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spoke as a dragon and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed He does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score, sixty, and six. 
Well, good morning. God bless you. Welcome to The Watchman. I'm Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be back on this Friday morning with everybody. I've returned from a very successful um, kingdom business trip. And that successful business trip was getting my daughter and my granddaughter back safely to their habitation until they make their way back home here in North. We are? Thanks, babe. Good. All right. So we seem to have all systems go today. So um, I I had a very unique last couple of days. And um, I was going to just reserve what I want to share today. I was going to hold it back for this weekend. Uh, Tomorrow night, Sunday, we'll be gathering together. And um, I view this as very important information. I've had in the Bible an incredible time just feeding and feasting on the words of God. And uh, we'll get into that in just a little bit as well. And I'm going to, what I've been studying this week, I'm going to be sharing this weekend, no doubt. And if I happen to launch it here this morning, then we'll certainly do that. But uh, first of all, welcome, everybody. It's good to be back. We have a beautiful rainy day after being in the hot deserts of Nevada. Uh, We're talking 114, 115 degrees, uh, dry heat. Um, So where do you really begin here? With a sip of my coat throat, or they call throat coat from my sister, Lydia. Thank you, Lydia. I'm sorry I missed uh, our friend Robin, uh, my brother Ray's sister, and or daughter, I'm sorry, and uh, we missed being with her, but she's coming to Arkansas. Can't wait to meet you, Robin. God bless you. We had our hands full with a two-and-a-half-year-old and, a year old and uh, my daughter, Danielle, and if you're listening this morning, Danielle and Athena Grace, good morning to you. Say hello to Papa, and we'll say hello back at you. So what happened in the last few days? What? How do we navigate what's going on in our world with the understanding that we have been given? How do we really apply the gift of God, the wisdom of God, the truth of God to this moment in time? And I think it's pretty simple where we are. And we had a phone call coming in. Welcome to technology. I better turn that baby off for the rest of this program here. There we go. So what was the experience? Okay, I'll just share with you a brief little bit of the experience. And, and wherever you live in the world, wherever, you know, your life is being lived, whether or not you could um, resonate with this um, <clears throat> or not, time will tell if what we're saying is true. I witnessed these past few days, <clears throat> and I'm going to call it a sludge in the systems of travel, hospitality, business, etc. This sludge concerns <clears throat> me deeply, as it appears to be the beginning of system failure. System failure. You know, it's taken me a long, long time, a very long time to come into full agreement of the calling of God upon my life to be a watchman. When I grew up in our church in San Diego and I had my pastor, we used to begin every single service with Ezekiel 33, reading of the watchman. 
And in those days, I had no idea that our fellowship, our ministry was really called to be a watchman ministry. And there's no doubt that a new wine ministry is definitely a watchman ministry. But each individual has to come to the reality of their calling. And I know in September of uh, 2001, on September 11th, that calling became very clear. But coming into agreement with it after all these years was another thing. And um, I truly uh, believe that this calling to be a watchman is something that uh, God enables us to see. And he gives us the ability to recognize things that are going on from a very different perspective than the rest of the world. And so when I'm out traveling around or I'm out doing things, uh, it's usually at those times where things are unveiled to my heart and to my mind. And one of the unveilings on this particular trip, which is not new, as I said, it's not special. It's just a reality. It's what I witnessed. It's what I saw in real time. And it is this sludge in the systems. And what I mean by that, if I go into a little bit of detail, is that during this trip, it appeared that every place we went, everything we did, we were met with that sludge, um, whether it was construction slow down on the freeway, whether it was showing up, you know, on time, like getting home last night on a flight from Las Vegas and yet not being able to get to, to the gate for 10 minutes, there was a time of delay. Uh, whether it was going to get some food and stand online and all of a sudden things would shut down. Um, it's just, it was one experience after another of things just uh, being affected, the system that normally flows and, you know, normally you get through things and there's normally, you know, good planning for certain things to happen. I remember even on the 4th of July, I think I shared it with you, trying to get out of the event uh, park where we were here in Northwest Arkansas with our family. Little Athena was there, so we wanted to show her the, the fireworks. And, and yet the ability to get out of there took such a long time because of the system failure that normally 30,000, 40,000 people coming out of a stadium had easier access out and things worked and the system worked. And what I'm noticing in the last several weeks, particularly on this trip, is that uh, that smooth, flowing, systemic release and ebb and flow and things working properly, um, there is major sludge in the system. And <clears throat> I considered the possibility that I was observing just a simple inconvenience in other words, I don't want to come on the air and, and just be dramatic and say, wow, the system failures are on the way uh, because I was delayed in traffic. That, that wasn't the point. There were so many different things. And I did sincerely consider that I, it was just simple inconvenience while things were getting fixed. So in other words, while you're being inconvenienced on the freeway, you're stuck in traffic, uh, the plane is not getting to the gate, um, the, the food lines are backing up and you can't, act, you can't get in or out without major delays. Well, that's only because I thought, and I wanted to be fair about my observation, well, that's just because they're fixing things and this is just a temporary, temporary inconvenience. Um, so just be patient and everything will get to normal again. So I did consider that possibility um, that things were just getting fixed. Then 
I realized something. I realized something. And this is by the Holy Spirit now. This is how we navigate by the Holy Spirit. I realized that the fix, you know, thinking, oh, they're just fixing things, and then it'll all get better. Well, I realized that the fix is a shift of systems, and the shift is different than a simple address of broken down things. So what is being fixed is a new system, okay? Now, I want to get ahead of myself. I'm just showing you, and I'm, I'm sharing with you what God was showing me on this trip as we were in the word, in prayer, seeking God's face and spending time with God. And it is a shift that is more about the new implementation of a new system, and I do believe it's global, that has quirks in it. It has, it has issues in it, okay? I believe they wanted that one year in 2020, the COVID-19 year, to shut everything down. That was the major distraction. And we did share this on the air, that this was a major distraction so that there would be implementation of a new world order of things, a new system of things. And while everybody was shut down, um, there was implementation, replacement new parts, if you will. And this is different than taking the old system with just trying to repair it or to bring it back to a refreshing. No, this is a total rebooting of international systemic things going on around the world. And again, I know you know this. I know this is nothing new to most of you, but I just want you to know what I was witnessing it is more true that the broken down things have been purposefully broken down in order to replace the old with a new system or order of things, okay? So when I'm on my flight last night, I'd asked the steward and the stewardess if I could have a pen because God was beginning to speak to me. And about 30 minutes later, I finally got a pen and I started penning these thoughts that were going on in my heart about what I've just been through in the last several days. And so I began to write these things down and to realize that the uh, design was to shut everything down, replace and implement the new system. But now we're in a time where, you know, COVID-19 supposedly is going to be ramping up after one more, you know, deadly part of it comes to, you know, uh, continue to keep people in bondage and keep things slow. And what I notice is that what the world is doing right now, what the satanic is doing, is keeping the masses entertained. It's all about distraction. It's all about entertainment. It's all about the idea of, come on, let's go. We want to get back to normal again. And so even now with the sludge in this new system, these glitches, uh, these disconnects, these, these things that just aren't working as properly as they are wanting them to. They're reconnecting everything. You know, when you set up your new computer and you're getting all your devices put together, sometimes you, you plug them in and this works, this doesn't work, there's a failure over here, and all these different things happen, and you got to keep working at it. And they, who have blinded the minds of the masses in order to implement the new system, are now very much engaged in getting the minds of the masses 
not only blinded, but distracted and entertained and, and thinking in a particular direction while they continue to get this new system of things, this new order of things, into its perfection until it runs perfectly. And what that is concerning, what concerns us about that, is that when this new system and order of things is running perfectly, that is when all kinds of other prophetic things are going to begin to come into place. So the idea is to keep the masses distracted while the replacement system is put into place. Soon, the world will be back in business with a whole new way of doing things. And, and I want you to really grab that reality. Um, the, there's, there's a biting at the bit right now. There's a restlessness. There's an impatience. And yet people are being told, just be patient. And here's how we're going to keep the masses patient while we're doing this. We're going to keep them entertained. We're going to, you know, give them free money. We're going to take care of this. We're going to uh, distract them over here. Uh, we're going to send them on, on different, you know, ventures and uh, get, just keep everybody entertained and calm them down and just tell them just wait a little bit longer, a little bit longer. We're getting things back to normal. We're coming back to normal. And yet the majority of the people don't realize that while they were set back and isolated and, and shut down and all of these things, uh, while they were being distracted, something was happening to ensnare their soul. Okay, now you and I should have been awakened to this a long time ago. We, we kind of knew these things at the very beginning of how this would be. Even this new wave, this, this, this bigger strain supposedly that they have. Now, I realize that very soon we will no longer have the freedoms we once took for granted. Our mobility will be greatly halted unless we cooperate with the new way or system of doing things. As I was traveling, I came to a realization in the last several days that major restrictions, mobility, for those who will not cooperate with the new world order of things, particularly vaccinations, mask wearing. Uh, we went to Las Vegas. I drove from northwest uh, Arkansas to Las Vegas and I jumped on an Allegiant airline back to Northwest Arkansas while Danielle and, and my granddaughter, Athena, my daughter, Danielle, they drove the final four hours from Vegas to California. They made it home safely last night, and I made it home here last night. And the idea of when we were in Las Vegas, here's what they're saying. I could actually read you the text of what they're saying. Okay, this is I shut my phone off. All right, so the, uh, one of the texts that I received from a relative who lives in Las Vegas is that <clears throat> my daughter wanted to meet with family, but part of the family would not do it because Danielle, myself, are not vaccinated with the world vac vaccination. And so they didn't want to meet anybody that wasn't vaccinated because this part of the family is fully vaccinated. And so, and they're older. And so they, what they were saying in the text is nobody should come to Las Vegas that is not vaccinated because it is the fastest growing new form of virus. And if you're not vaccinated, you shouldn't be there. Well, there's a couple of ways to look at that. Number one was, 
Hallelujah. Let all the vaccinated people go to Las Vegas. Okay, do what you want to do. I could assure you that Las Vegas, Nevada, 1,000%, beyond the shadow of a doubt, is Sodom and Gomorrah. There are many Sodom and Gomorrah places on the planet, but Las Vegas, Nevada is Sodom and Gomorrah. And when you're driving in, it's not too difficult to recognize that a big, huge comet, meteorite or asteroid, um, it's probably got Las Vegas's name written all over it, a destination for destruction like the original Sodom and Gomorrah. It is a filthy, unclean, dirty place in one sense, meaning I couldn't figure out why, as we were passing through, parents would bring their children into this place called Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world, while there was such perverse music, sound, walking down the street, seeing things, broken people on the streets. I mean, it's devastating, but the music and the, and the glitz and the glamour, you know, I saw these families and I thought the children's eyes are kind of partaking of the perverse things going on. And there's a lot of perverse things going on there. And not only are the children's eyes observing, but they are being observed by that society because of the perverse spirit that is there. Now, I'm just talking about observation, okay? I've always known Las Vegas is an entertainment capital of the world. I always know they called it Sin City. They called it, you know, what you do in Vegas days and Vegas kind of thing. I've heard all that. I know that. But there's something there right now with the vaccination, with the masks, with the, uh, you know, the, the spirit, the unclean spirit that is there, uh, the clientele. Now, that's just an observation. What does it have to do with what we're talking about? Well, what they're saying is you can't come to Vegas unless you're vaccinated. And someone would say, hallelujah, I'll never go to Las Vegas anyways. And they said that, uh, or, or I said to some people, let me ask you this question. Why are people that are vaccinated afraid of people who are not vaccinated? I mean, if you're vaccinated, you're supposed to be protected. And again, this is not new conversation to you, but this is kind of living it in real time rather than just hearing it on a podcast. Why are people that are vaccinated concerned about people that are not vaccinated? I mean, if you're not vaccinated, you're going to get the COVID virus, right? You're going to get the disease. We're vaccinated, so we don't have to worry about it. That's the way it normally works with vaccinations, right? And yet the people that are vaccinated are terrified of people that are not vaccinated. And you ask the question, why? And they don't give you an answer. And so in Las Vegas, crowded places, busy, fast. It's summertime, so there's a lot going on. Squeezed in everywhere. People aren't wearing masks. And either they're all vaccinated, or they think they are, or they're not vaccinated, and you're thinking those vaccinated people are really in a lot of trouble. And so all this is in play right now, and it, it speaks of the sludge. You see, on my flight last night, coming home, I sat next to a, a man and his wife. She was in the middle. She was sound asleep for most of the trip. 
She woke up about 30 minutes before the flight ended, and we started this conversation. And I asked her, do you read your Bible? Her husband was sitting there. She says, oh, I was just reading it. And I was talking about the book of Revelation. And we got into this big conversation about things. And uh, she was a Democrat, and yet she was very kind of balanced. And I kind of took a new approach to how to have this conversation with people. And we started talking about the vaccinations. And one of the things she said, she was trying to say is, why can't we all get vaccinated? Because she's been fully vaccinated. Why can't we just all get vaccinated? When she asked me if I were vaccinated, I said, oh, I'm fully vaccinated, but with a different vaccination. I said, I have the JCON vaccination with the PS91 gold certificate. And she just said, oh, okay. And we went on. And so uh, she said, why can't everybody just get vaccinated? We'll kick this COVID-19 thing out. She said, when we all had the polio and, and we were all born, I know I was born in 1963 and I had a vaccination in my arm. She said, you know, with the whole nation came together and everybody got vaccinated and we all went on with life. She said, what's the problem? I said, well, number one, and again, I'm trying to address this properly with her. I said, number one, you know, when we were getting, when the whole nation was getting vaccinated, uh, there wasn't the kind of technology we have today. Uh, we were told by the government or by the uh, CDC or whoever was in control in those days that there was a terrible disease and we all needed to be vaccinated. There was no internet. There was no iPad. There was no YouTube. There were no iPods. There were no alternative voices. There was no alternative media. There was nothing where the nation would be awakened to some other side or some other part of what was going on. So everybody just kind of trusted their government. They went on. And as we know, whether we wanted to or not as babies, we were inoculated and got shots or whatever vaccinations we had. And everybody went on in our generation. 1963 is when I was born. We had my vaccination. And we just kind of went on with it. And I said, today, there are concerns because this is not FDA approved. And it's not really a vaccination out of the mouth of those that work for Moderna. Uh, it's not a vaccination. It's a digital code that is in this thing that goes in and searches out the supposed COVID-19 and obliterates it. And it's supposed to be some miraculous, technological, artificial, intelligently designed, you know, something to win the day. And, but there's a problem. And because of the technology today, that problem is being voiced. And the experts, the doctors, the engineers, the social, you know, people, uh, there's two sides. And I said, unfortunately, our country is so divided right now that we have direct opposites. We have unmovable forces and unstoppable forces, right? So, and this collision is taking place. This division is so complete. And so I said, the only thing you could really do is be led by the Holy Spirit. You need to have your own intelligence in the Holy Spirit. And you can't afford to listen to anybody. And I said, listen, the book of Revelation talks about a time of a mark of the beast. And you know that. You read your Bible. She said, yes. And so I said, this mark of the beast is that kind of like a preview right now of being on this airplane. You have to wear the mask. If I did not wear the mask, which I took it off most of the time, but if you didn't wear the mask, then you're not allowed to be on the flight. You are breaking the law. You have to wear a mask on these airlines. So if you want to use the airlines, then you have to wear the masks. And the time may come where not only will you have to wear a mask, but you have to have certification of vaccination. So again, 
we're witnessing that very soon, or I did at least witness, that very soon we will no longer have the freedoms we once took for granted. And I thought about how we have in this country taken for granted the, the, the mobility, the freedom to go and do whatever, whenever, wherever we chose to do it. There were no restrictions to our mobility. There were no restrictions to what we wanted to do. If we wanted to do it, you could do it. There was no hesitation, no checkpoints, you know, no problems, no, no questions. You lived in a free society. And we have allowed these freedoms uh, to bring us into an immorality within our nation and this immoral condition that we have found ourselves in, which is offensive to the creator of the universe. God has brought us to this point of slavery where our freedoms are going to be not only restricted but taken away. And so we're, we're recognizing this. Our mobility will be greatly halted. And again, this is unless, unless we cooperate with the new way or the new system of doing things, which will require a compromise that I or we could never make. So the compromise that is going to be required to cooperate so that we can use the system is a compromise that we as Christians will never be able to actually do. We won't be able to cooperate with what they're bringing. We won't be able to cooperate with that mark. We won't be able to cooperate with this new system, this new way of doing things. So I believe it is time to gather together. And I'm going I'm to I'm gonna leave this part alone for just a moment. Um, and you just kind of, I'm just going to set that back. I, I've got a message I've got to share with the body this weekend. And I want to do it effectively. So, I'm talking about a system failure. Let me just share with you an article. I was checking this out because of what God was showing me. And I wanted to share with you some information about a cascading failure. Cascading failure. And what is a cascading failure? A cascading failure is a process in a system of interconnected parts in which the failure of one or few parts can trigger the failure of other parts, and so on. Such a failure may happen in many types of systems, including power transmission, computer networking, finance, transportation systems, organisms, the human body, and ecosystems. Okay? So cascading failures may occur when one part of the system fails. When this happens, other parts must then compensate for the failed component. This, in turn, overloads these nodes, causing them to fail as well, prompting additional nodes to fail one after another. This is a cascading blackout, cascading system failure. Okay, so... I believe today's message, we're talking, and it's biblical, about a system failure, a systems failure. And the old systems are not only failing, but being replaced by new systems that are going to require cooperation with the masses in order to operate within that system. So we're going to continue to see system failures or cascading system failures in all the systems that we were once used to. We were once used to 
a highway system, transportation system. We were used to um, systems of shopping, doing finance, traveling, uh, economics, all these different systems that we, we're so used to that just flowed. You just kind of went along and it, it just, everything worked. Well, it's not working anymore. And what we're witnessing is the, <clears throat> the progressive slowing down and the breaking down of those systems so that the new ones could be replaced. And there are new systems yet to be replaced and they're coming quickly, as you already know. So cascading failure is common in power grids. And one of the elements, if one of the elements fail completely or partially, it's load to nearby elements in the system. That's what they do. And those nearby elements are then pushed beyond their capacity so they become overloaded and shift their load onto other elements. Cascading failure is a common effect seen in high voltage systems where a single point of failure, they call the SPF, on a fully loaded or slightly overloaded system results in a sudden spike across all nodes of the system. The surge current can induce the already overloaded nodes into failure setting off more overloads and thereby taking down the entire system in a very short time. And I guess what I'm wanting to communicate to you today is something that I just looked at, saw from the perspective of a watchman on the wall, looking at what's coming, but also experiencing and being kind of around it and realizing that the systems are going to fail and they are going to appear to be sudden because that's how fast it's going to happen. And the problem with that is that when the systems fail and everything goes dark, that is probably going to be the most uh, effective time for the reduction of the population because keeping people in the dark for a period of time will uh, reduce population on this planet. We know that. I mean, the Congress and Senate and all of the Homeland Security tells us 30 days without electrical grid up and running, you're talking 30 million Americans alone, let alone the anarchy and the civil disobedience. And one of the things I also noted while being in Las Vegas, Nevada, was that the clientele that was there, um, you could so easily envision people that just a few months ago were rioting in the streets, setting fires, breaking windows, burning businesses to the ground. Uh, you know, the violent demonstrations that we witnessed for nine months uh, these people today, everything is like, okay, we did our business. Now we're just going to integrate <clears throat> into society. Nobody knows who's BLM, who's Antifa, you know, who the Proud Boys are. Everybody's just kind of going now. Everybody's kind of walking around and, hello, how are you? And everything's kind of a nicety. But it's because these effective tools of Antifa, communism, Marxism, uh, were used so successfully to bring everything to the point of where it is, i.e. the Joe Biden election. We know that as well. So all of the tools were used to bring everything to this place. And the system that's coming into power will, in my opinion, will arise after the total blackout of things. <clears throat> because 
the sludge in the system that they're trying to bring forth is going to require another shutdown in order to perfect the system. And so I believe that the the shutting down, the overloading of all these systems, economic, financial, all of the systems that we're so used to, transportation, something has got to happen to totally go dark. Because what they found is a lot of people did not capitulate, a lot did, but there were too many people that did not capitulate, and they're very vulnerable right now to being exposed. In other words, the hoax that went on for this satanic deception, there are too many people that were already ahead of the game, that were awake, that were in the know, that were, were absolutely overwhelmed by the, the, the speed in which this whole thing took place and how powerful the news media was and the deception was and all of that. And yet it wasn't effective enough. And there, there's, that's why we're in this, this really tight place um, it, it's such a sludge. It's such a, uh, like a quagmire, if you will. And so they've got to shut things down. And I believe what the Holy Spirit is wanting you to know, and what I believe he's revealed to me, is that prepare for restriction of mobility and get ready for system failure. There's no easy way to say it. You know, there's just no easy way to say that these Failures are upon us now, and they could happen at any moment in order for the new system to become fully operational. Now, it's interesting, while that's being prepared, that the masses are still being distracted by the entertainment, by the idea that Everything's, you know, everything's becoming normal. We're all coming out of the dark now. We're walking into the new light of things. So one more. You see, they have to do this, and the timing is precise. One more event. But this event, what took nine months, a year, to reopen everything, imagine a system failure globally, okay, for three months, just imagine three months, none of the systems work. So the governments of the world bring in a new way of doing things, and they begin while everything is shut down. The kill-off is happening. 30 million Americans in 30 days are dead. Prisons are emptying out. There's problems with generation, gasoline, transportation, getting food to different places. People are stuck where they're at. That's why it's so important to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now, uh, making sure that business is being conducted. That's why I say if you're in Sodom and Gomorrah and you're a lot, you better get out of there, wherever that Sodom and Gomorrah is. I mean, everything west of the Rockies, in my opinion, everything west of the Rocky Mountains, um, watch out, man. I just think I just see something dreadful, dangerous. But that doesn't mean that the whole country and, of course, the nations of the earth aren't going to have to deal with issues. But again, I, I just want to be very matter-of-fact with you. The system failure is intended, it is purposeful, and it is coming. 
And right now you could already see the lights blinking, the, the disconnects, the, the, the trouble. It's showing up. It's not working the way it needs to work. So they have to take it to another level. Now, the failure process cascades through the elements of the system like a ripple on a pond and continues until substantially all of the elements in the system are compromised and or the system becomes functionally disconnected from the source of its load. For example, under certain conditions, a large power grid can collapse after the failure of a single transformer. All right? So one transformer connected to the grid could shut the entire system down as we know it. Those that are in the know will have abilities to move. They will be less restricted. They will access military. They will have their planes. They will still be in their uh, circuitry of, of, of the new system of power where they are and, and how deep this goes and how familiar people are with these things. All I know is that the general masses of the sheeple, uh, the, the unsuspecting masses, call them what you will, uh, the people being led to the slaughter, uh, the overabundance of human beings that are no longer necessary in this new society that is coming, uh, the killing off of the elderly, uh, the uh, doing away with uh, anybody that's radical against the system, anybody that's a Bible believer that believes in end times and all these different things or whatever. Um, there's just something that has to be realized. And so what I'm saying to you, and not just feeding into things you already know, is that I'm confirming that what you already know is true, and it's even biblical, the lights are going out that God is going to darken the earth in the clear day. And the question is, when? And I refuse to say, it's not if, but when. I just refuse to say that. It's been said so many times. But it is a real question of when will this happen? And my coming to you on the airwaves today is to tell you, it's so very close. So very close. So in other words, take care of your business right now. Don't delay to do things that you need to get done. You can no longer live like tomorrow is going to be the same as today. Now, remember years ago when we would say the same message, you probably heard it before, we were telling people, it's not always going to be like tomorrow won't always be like today. Well, guess what? It's not. Because of the 2020 debacle, things changed. It's not the same world. It is different. And, and, and to perceive the difference is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because without the Holy Spirit, you really have a difficult time of perceiving what has shifted, what has changed. To the natural man, he's just the deceived under the, the, the cloud of obscurity, uh, the blinded masses. You know, they know something happened, but after all, it's being fixed. But by the Holy Spirit, you realize. No, there's something incredible has happened. It's not the same world any longer. We saw it manifest, and then it just came down, and it blended back into society. 
And when it will be useful again, they will bring it back again. And what I'm telling you is that what is useful to them is a system failure, blackout, confirmed by the word of God in several places. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. You can put any kind of spin on it you want to, but there are other verses in the Bible that talk about um, systems that you cannot use unless you have this mark. Unless you have this mark. So, monitoring the operation of a system in real time and judicious disconnection of parts can help stop a cascade. Another common technique is to calculate a safety margin for the system by computer simulation of possible failures. So in other words, this article is talking about how you could possibly stop it, but listen to what it says. Um, To establish safe operating levels below which none of the calculated scenarios is predicted to cause cascading failure and to identify the parts, the network, which are most likely to cause cascading failures. One of the primary problems with preventing electrical grid failures is that the speed of the control signal is no faster than the speed of the propagating power overload, i.e., since both the control signal and the electrical power are moving at the same speed, it is not possible to isolate the outage by sending a warning ahead to isolate the element. Hmm. So what they're saying is that here's a few things you could do to attempt to slow this down, but in reality, you can't because of the same speed in which things are working. There's no advance warning. Okay, there's nothing out ahead to say, here's a red light, make a left. It's not there. Everything's happening at the same time. And I guess that's pretty important when it comes to these things. So we are one transformer away from having no power, no operating systems. And again, it it has to be said, you won't be able to go to the bank to get your money. You won't go to an ATM machine. You won't be able to get on an airplane. You won't be able to travel safely down the road. You won't be able to use perhaps even gas stations in a system that is uh, we were at one store, and it says, we don't take cash, period. We, we do not use cash. So when cash becomes useless, credit cards can't be swiped. You can't put in the chip to the machine to make it all work because the computer system is down. You're talking about a totally different moment in the history of the world. And what you and I should know at that time when it happens is that this is that moment. This is the moment we were talking about. You Remember Jesus said to the disciples, he said, now I've told you, so when these things happen, you'll know. Everything we are talking about in this moment was designed by God for you, the listener, for those that were willing to follow the Holy Spirit narrative in these, these days that we're living in, To know when these things happen, this is what you're looking at. What you need to know today is that when the system failure takes place, when this happens, and only God really does know, unless he reveals it, and he may very well do that, 
like he did just days before the other event took place. The whole COVID 2020 thing, right? COVID-19, whatever it was. I mean, days before that happened, God gave a word out of Isaiah 47. If there's an evil coming from where you do not know, you will not be able to put it off and you know, sudden destruction will come. I personally believe the third part of Isaiah 47:11 is the sudden destruction, which is the power grid failure. At that moment, that's when everything changes. People's patience right now is is holding on by a false hope. They're being told everything is going to be okay. This is going to end. We're going to come out. Come on, come on, come on. Let's get back to normal. And so they're being kind of let on. But when things don't work this time and the power goes out, you have to envision, you have to imagine, not in our country, for example, a united effort of the American people gathering together, standing strong as one nation, those days are gone forever. Those days are over. Will there be pockets? Well, I'm going to talk about that this weekend. I do believe there will be pockets of people in regions selected by God that will be, people will be gathering together and they should be doing it right now, which means a coming together beyond the usual obstacles that keep people apart. They need to be scaled, and there needs to be a gathering together uh, with, a, with people of like mind that understand these things that can begin to do some important stuff. And again, I, I have to stop right there on that one. But I don't believe in my soul, in my mind, in my heart, I don't believe that what I'm saying to you is science fiction or is something that should be put off for the future. Environmentally, environmentally, and I'm not talking about the external environment, I'm talking about the environment parts, there has to be a preparation. Whoa, my eyes, my eyes going, I don't know what that is. Thank you, Lord, for healing that in Jesus' name. The internal environment of your life and the internal environment of my life has to be fully addressed. And Again, this weekend, this is where I, I believe that New Wine Ministries will be shifting into two particular directions or one direction with two particular parts to it. And But when it comes to you who are listening right now, wherever you are, the internal environment of your heart, your mind, how you are going to respond to what is ready to take place in this world is critical to your salvation. It's not something that, well, I'll address it when I get there. It can't work that way. It has to be how we are conducting ourselves right here, right now. And I think that the body of Christ has gone through a severe spiritual testing, and God has allowed many of his kids to be tested as to how they were going to respond to situations around them. I, for one, 
uh, did not get a 100% passing grade on the last spiritual testing. See, I, I shared with New Wine Ministry several months ago that we were about to undergo a, a severe testing. And it waited a little bit, and then the testing came, and it caught us off guard in the sense of we weren't mentally thinking. So it was the response from the heart without the mental preparations. In other words, if I know something's coming, I could kind of adjust and prepare for it. But when the suddenlies come and what's in there really comes out in response, that's the, real, that's the reality. Not my mental preparation of how I'm going to deal with this when it comes this way. I'm going to get ready to deal with it. So what I'm saying biblically to you, spiritually to you, is that we were just tested. And if you haven't been in the, in the, in the past test, get ready. You're going to be tested. If you belong to God, you have to be. He has to allow the trials and he has to allow these things for the perfecting of our faith. And if we are walking in faith, then we will not be offended. We will not get afraid. Uh, we will not allow the flesh nature to dominate our responses to what is going on. And to me, this is extremely important. To God it is. I believe that God is working inside of us in the nature, in the character of our lives to produce a response that is spontaneous to the suddenlies that come. We need to have a spontaneous answer to the suddenlies that are coming. And it, that, that spontaneity will not come from, um, okay, here it comes, let me figure it out. It will be a release of what is established within, which means the divine nature, the character of Christ, must be established in our lives during peacetime. Okay, so what we're saying is that the majority of people, according to Scripture, in the last days are going to fall away. They're going to defect from the truth because their, their, their response to the suddenlies is going to fail because there's not a genuine work of the Spirit in the intrinsic part of their existence in our lives. Simply put, if the divine nature, if the character of Christ is not what I am operating out of, if that's not the new operating system, and I'm not operating out of the new system of Christ, and I operate out of the old system of the flesh, I'm going to fail. The old order of my human nature cannot take me forward into the eternal purpose of God. And while there are many people that are suggesting, well, we're always going to fail, we're always going to sinners, we're always at them, no. I say to people, no, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. That's a new operating system. The new operating system for the spiritual pioneers living on planet Earth today is Christ. Christ is the source. There will be no system failure in Christ. Nothing in the created universe can cause Christ to fail. And so if you and I, the nodes that are connected to Christ, we will not fail. However, if we have not yet been deeply connected, knit tied, joint, fitly joined together, if we are not fully immersed into Christ and we find ourselves operating out of the old system of Adam, that is dangerous right now. Hear me. Please hear me. I've tasted the bitter fruits of my own failure. 
I have tasted the bitter roots of responding wrongly to situations, and the bitter fruits are not tasty. They are bitter. They are not healthy for the soul, for the mind, for the body, for the spirit. When we fail to operate out of Christ and we respond the way that Adam responds, it's not good. And God has allowed these tests to get us to see ourselves and say, why didn't I respond to this crisis in a Christ-likeness, out of a mature spirit, out of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, out of the divine nature, out of the character of Christ? Why did I not? Why am I living in an attitude, a behavior, a conduct that is not conducive to Christ? Why do I allow myself to do that? And every time I allow myself to do that, even though everything's normal, but when the crisis comes, I find myself doing it that way, and then there's failure. And what God is saying is, listen, we must take the time we have before the, the system failure of the world takes place to shift ourselves deeply into Jesus Christ. I don't know any easier way to say that and to tell you the urgency behind that and the requirement of the carrying of the cross and the taking up of the cross and dying daily if necessary, keeping ourselves dead to the old operating system. You see, when the new world order system comes online completely in the new world order, Many people are going to want to go back to the old system of things. You know how it is. People love the, uh, they say, what, the old wine's better. People want what's familiar to them. They're going to want to go back to the old system. And what has been familiar to Christians around the world is the old Adam. We were all born into it. I don't even consider the world that's not born again to be a part of this conversation because they are old Adam. That's all there is to it. But you and I have been born again. We are of the second Adam. We've been born again into the second man from heaven, Jesus Christ. We've been born out of Adam into Christ. So with that reality, biblical reality, maybe not logical reality or sense-oriented reality, but biblical reality, spiritual reality, that's the truth. And so we may at times when we're challenged, you know, we may default to the old system the old Adamic system, because we've done it for so long. We're familiar with it. But what God is saying to you and I is to abandon that old system because it's going to fail. Anything out of that system will not work. So he's saying abandon the Adamic system of things and learn of the new system, Christ. Learn to operate in the new system that is transformative, Okay, that brings change in a glorious way. If people are depending on the old system and it's not there anymore and it doesn't work anymore, what is it going to create for them? Fear, frustration, anger. I want my money out of this bank. And it's just not going to work because what, what it is, it doesn't work anymore. And what God is saying to his children to born-again, spirit-filled sons and daughters. Adam will not work. And I've, I've tested you 
I've allowed crises to come to you to show you that if you operate out of that old system, you will die. At best, at worst, you will fall away. And you will perish forever. We Christians need to take the manual. This is the the new operating system manual is right here. This is the new operating system, the OS. That's the manual that teaches us and shows us how to live in the new system, how the new system works, how we are integrated with that new system. And this is a total Holy Spirit work, a total Holy Spirit work that transcends our conscience, our subconscious, our brain, our memory, our programming. You see, the entire system of our existence in Adam has to be fully gone. And how do we bring ourselves, all of us, spirit, soul, and body, into Christ? This is the Bible. This is the instruction of how to do it. Now, is it easy making the transition from one system to another? Well, It could be the most enjoyable journey of our lives, realizing that the old system stinks, the new system's better, so I desire it, number one. I want to get away from that old system of operation, Adam, and I desire to enter into the new system of Christ, so I'm now ready for the translation out of darkness into light, out of Adam into Christ. I'm ready for the translation. I desire to go from one system to another, from one phase of operation to another. I want my life to be plugged into the new system. I want to leave one and go to the other. So therefore, now the cross becomes a pleasure to me because I realize that it's through the cross that the old is slain. It's through the cross that I have access into the new, into Christ. When you stop and think about how brilliant this really is, it's amazing. It's strange to me if anybody who has ever been born again and has tasted the Lord, tasted him, how they could ever be satisfied or accepting of the old, of Adam. Human nature, corruption, defilement. How could anybody be okay with it? How could I, how could you be okay with operating out of the old Adam when the new is so much better? And you and I should never look for an excuse to stay in the old Adam of the flesh. Many people do. They actually like it the flesh, the human nature, but the worse things get, the more bitter that's going to become, and they haven't been laboring to access the other, so it's going to be very difficult and probably never will. What is the, I guess, the delay in the transition? 
I would imagine it's just as real as the delay of our government not wanting to put together a proper grid. Maybe they've known all along that that grid failure is going to be useful to their purpose and plan. And maybe that's why not a whole bunch has been invested because they liked it or they're going to use it for their own desire. I desire to be a new creation. I want to change. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I want to become Christ in my nature, in my intelligence, in my character. I, want, I desire Christ in me the hope of glory, to sustain me through this moment called the greatest tribulation ever hit the face of the earth. And I'm telling you something. All the physical things of failure, restriction of freedoms in the world, not using the systems of the world, that's one thing. It's important. But it's nowhere near as important as what I'm talking with you about right now, of the transformation of Christ's nature, Christ's power, Christ's wisdom, Christ's character, to sustain me in the time of the great pressure, the time where the full nature of Adam will be fully expressed without restraint, impatient, unholy, ungodly, full of fear, totally offended, ugly, evil, hate. It's coming and you're, you're living in the midst of that environment. And if you yield to that Adamic, it could be your last yielding. What we desire is to show the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, not in our conversation alone. The proof is in the pudding. The power of the Holy Spirit is in the transformed life, which comes by the renewing of the mind. And our minds are renewed by the Word of God. The Word of God is foretelling us what is coming, what we're facing. Now, every generation of Christians for 2,000 years have had their generational problems to deal with. But it certainly does appear that our generation is the generation wherein all things are coming to a climax. All things are coming to a time of fulfillment. All things from the last 50, we're the 50th generation. If you count a 40-year generation, 50 times 40 is 2,000. We're the 50th, the Jubilee generation, right? We're the generation that Everything that has been flowing in ebbs and streams been flowing into this moment. This is the generation that will not pass until all these things be fulfilled. That amazing. The Bible predicts it. The Bible says it's true. The signs of the times declare to us the validity of what I just said to you. It's not make-believe. Oh, they've always done that. We're, we're not in the generation, well, it's always been that way. We're not there. 
Israel was not always a nation. Technology was not always like it is in the last 2,000 years. People didn't travel the way we travel today. All these Bible prophecies are so clear that we are the generation. Therefore, what is it going to take for a Holy Spirit invasion into your life? I'm not talking about revival, although I don't even know what revival really is. I wasn't in the Welch revival. I wasn't in the Azusa Street revival. You know, I haven't seen revivalists since I've been a Christian. What's revival? What I know is that I personally need to be revived, and I know that God's intention for the ecclesia is in the third day to revive it. After two days, I will revive you. In the third day, I will raise you up. So I know that God's intention for the ecclesia in this prophetic third day that we're living in is to revive the church. And so I have to believe that that reviving is a reviving of the eternal purpose of God to bring me and you into the fullness of God's intention right now. A reset. I look back over the last several months, and I examine, where did I fail in the time of pressure? Where did I get offended? How did I actually carry a grudge, an offense, a criticism, a judgment against anybody? How did I, where did I respond to a a, a situation wrongly? And if I'm not willing to look at it, Firstly, by by admitting the fact that I did fail. And then why did I fail? What was going on? Where where was this failure? Where could I dissect it? And remember, everything's running at at the same space, right? What do I need to do to not fail again? Was I spending enough time in the Word of God? Did I... When I, when I started to receive something about something, did I take it captive and bring it to the Lord quick enough? Did I bless those who cursed me? Did I turn the other cheek? Did I go the extra mile? Did I walk in the fruit of the Spirit? Was I patient or did I become impatient? Was I kind or was I rude? Was I gentle or was I harsh? Was I walking in love? or not walking in love. I have to examine it. I have to examine these things, and so do you. So, I'm going to say good morning to some friends out there today, and um, praise the Lord. Let's say hello to a number of people out there in Facebook. I believe we're working well on Blog Talk Radio. If you have any questions or comments, you are welcome to call into the broadcast. Press one on your dial pad. I'll take you right in, and uh, hopefully everything will be working normal there. Uh, not sure how that works, but all right. I wanted to say good morning to Brother Sean this morning. Good morning to you, Charlotte Gotch. Uh, Charlotte, good to see you this morning. Shirley Woolsley, always nice to see you online, Shirley. God bless you. Was, again, you, meeting you and Mike was wonderful. And uh, Charlotte and uh, Sean, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, hopefully you're still with us. VK Bafo Mansa, good morning. Good morning, VK, to you. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Robert Avila, listening from KYLV. Where is, I don't know where KYLV is. Robert Avila, KYLV. 
Sorry, I don't have it. Let me know, Robert, where you're listening from. Uh, Diana Langford, bless you, Brother Xavier. Thank you, Diana. God bless you and Ken. We love you both. Melissa Fletcher is listening this morning. Pastor Melissa from Minnesota or South Dakota. Sorry, take that back. Rapid City. Oh, gosh, I forget the names. Good morning, Melissa. Uh, I see Michaela Johanan. That's Michael V. Good morning, Overcomers. Amen. Michael, trust you're doing well and you're getting healed up from your recent slip. God bless you. Uh, Megan Cotton, wow, I was planning to go to Las Vegas with family last month, but I got a new job so I couldn't go just as well. Way to go, Megan. Uh, Robert, here's the secret about polio. It never went away. The government sent out letters to all doctors. They were ordered to stop diagnosing sickness as polio, but to instead call it Guillain-Barr syndrome or some other diagnosis. In other words, the condition remains. They just call it something different. Haven't you ever wondered why it was possible to eradicate polio but nothing else? Why can't the flu or COVID be eradicated, for example? Excellent point. Good studying, Robert. Way to go. All right. Robert went on to say, you are correct, Vincent Xavier. One day they will swap out masks for Vax Passport and then swap that out for the mark of the beast. Maybe other intermediaries, but Mott B is the end goal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you're right on there, Robert. God bless you. Uh, Brenda Torville, good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, Brenda. God bless you all the way in Missouri. Cindy is with us this morning. Cindy Messman, good morning to you. Robert goes on to say, it is the great reset. This is what they always do. Break it so you can replace it with something worse. We're in agreement. I love that, Robert. Uh, Kevin Hauger is with us this morning. Good morning to you. Uh, Sister Kim Bowling, all the way from Colorado. By the way, Kevin's what keeps this all running in the right direction. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Kim from Colorado, trust you're doing well. We're going to see you for Feast of Tabernacles. We're less than two months away. Can you believe it? We're right at two months before the great Feast of Tabernacles. We here at Northwest Arkansas at New Wine Ministries will be hosting our Feast of Tabernacles this year. Kim, we hope to see you. Uh, uh, she's in Denver. All right. Kim is in Denver. We just went through Denver, Kim. Danielle, Athena, and I went right through the Rockies. All right. Uh, Michael says, so the road is narrow that leads to life. The time is upon us. Where are, where we are. Amen to that, Michael. Uh, Cindy Bestman, praying our grandson gets here before that happens. Yeah, I would hope a lot of our family and loved ones and people that we care about would make wise decisions right now about how they're going to live out their final days upon this earth. And again, it is a true leading of the Holy Spirit. And maybe God will tap someone on the shoulder just because of mercy, kind of like he did for Lot, who was in Sodom and Gomorrah, because of the intercession of Abraham. You must become the greatest intercessor to your family and to your loved ones and asking God, tap them on the shoulder, get them out in the nick of time. But we want it to be better than that. Bring them to a place that you have prepared, Lord, so that they can live um, in a proper environment. Absolutely. Um, Kim says, yes, uh, just because we rely on it doesn't mean the electric energy won't fail. That's right. Absolutely not. And uh, Michaela Johan and Michael V says, our freedoms are being squeezed into pressure, but only to become new wine into new wineskins. That's a positive way to look at the pressure that transforms us into new wine. Very well said. 
Uh, Cindy says, welcome back. I'm welcome. I feel back. I welcome back, too. I keep thinking welcome back, Cotter, right? I used to watch Vinnie Barbarino. Uh, welcome back. Okay, Robert Avila, many years ago, I had a dream. There was no power. There was no government either. Some men went to a bar and shared warm beers by candlelight. Dusk came. They paid as they left. A man came in and robbed the bar, and then they beat up the robber. Then they looked out at the street. Sidewalks were broken. People ran with boxes of new products. Another man ran from a mob. Somewhere unseen, a woman screamed, sounded like a rape attack. Her terror, terrorized screaming. Then a voice said, and then it stops right there. Then a voice said, come on, Robert, where's the rest of that? All right, so the voice said, uh, Mayur, I'll get you the rest of what he puts it out there. Let's see, did he get it down here? No, not yet. So tell them something, I guess. Uh, Mayor Karanyala, Mayur, amen. God bless you. Welcome. Uh, the River Christian Center, Pastor Jeff. Hello, Pastor V. Glad you're back. Per this word, you're spot on. July 9th, the globalist had a cyber polygon simulation dealing with a cyber attack. So the real deal is coming very soon. See event 201. All right, Pastor Jeff. Always love to hear from Pastor Jeff. I wish I could get this blog talk going. I could be interviewing so many different people. I've got to find out why blog talk radio is not working to hear other people talking. We're, find it out. We need help. Any, any engineers that would like to help our new studio work, we could use your help. We'll give you spaghetti and meatballs if you want to come out here and help us. If you're really good at it, Kevin Hauger, Paul says it's well in Galatians. It's very well in Galatians. We all need to move on from the Adamic Mosaic laws onto Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and it's not just moving on from the laws of Moses. It's moving on to the nature of Christ. See, it's not just external. It's inward that the transformation really does have to take place. Carol Carey is saying good morning. Uh, good morning to you, Carol. God bless you in West Virginia, I believe. Adam Lindquist. Hi, Vincent. Adam in Minnesota. Hey, Adam, God bless you. Hopefully we'll be able to see each other soon one day. Uh, Laquita is with us today. Good morning from Cali, too. Hello, Laquita in Cali, the twin sisters of glory and intercession. God bless you. Adam Lindquist, loving this word today. Thank you, Adam. God bless you. Uh, you are teaching me how to imitate Christ more fully and to endure to the end. I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, Cindy, amen, Pastor and Shirley Woosley, our spirit is telling us to wake up now. I think I thank you for your voice in the wilderness. Oh, my pleasure. It's what God called me to do. Good enough. All right. Well, those are our comments right now. And if you have a comment, again, we're broadcasting live on Facebook, on YouTube, on Omega Radio, if you go to omegaradio.org, we should be loud and clear on Omega, and on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, if anybody has a question or comment, I think what you do here, I could be wrong about this, but I don't, I'm not sure how that works. Um, anything else? Anything else we need to talk about here? It's been a very sobering last couple of days. And I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night with the saints at New Wine Ministry and Sunday. I want to tell you something. Uh, listen, please listen to me wherever you're at right now. I feel led to tell you this. Twelve years ago, 12 years ago, Patricia and I 
and our family and 18 other people from California that were part of our church out there, we moved out of San Diego, California to come to Northwest Arkansas because of a divine leading of the Holy Spirit. So I agree that before you do anything, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. But what does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? It means to pay attention to the things that are going on around you. For example, when in my story, for the first time in my life in 2005, if you'll be patient with me, I'd like to share this with you because I think it'll have meaning for you of something we need to say. In 2005, I was invited to speak at a conference near Branson, Missouri, but it was still in Arkansas, as I recall. Very, very close. No, I think it was in Missouri. It's like 15 minutes from um, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, is where I was speaking at this conference. So I was invited in 2005, in the month of May, to go and speak at a conference. And I remember the uh, Chuck Worth was the gentleman that put the conference together. He was from Bella Vista, Arkansas. I had never been to Arkansas. I didn't know about Branson. I didn't know about Eureka Springs, Holiday Island, Bella Vista. It meant nothing to me. All I know is that that was a season in my life where I did a lot of conference speaking. And I would speak at different conferences, and they were great. And I loved it, and it was quite a different way of life, and did a lot of traveling and showed up places, met a lot of saints, and had the opportunity and the privilege to preach the gospel and the message that God had put in my heart. So in 2005, I was now invited to Arkansas. My mother told me that my Uncle Paul lived in Arkansas, whom I hadn't seen for 20 years, in a place called Holiday Island. She said I should contact him. When I contacted him, he told me, I'm 15 minutes away from where you're going to be speaking. I told him about the Claycroft Conference Center. Well, we went, Patricia and I, in May of 2005, and this is how the Holy Spirit does things, okay? Don't wait for a voice from heaven. In 2005, we went there, and I spoke at the conference. It was a three-day conference. While I was at the conference, it was beautiful. The worship was incredible. Violins, harps, pianos, guitars. I mean, it was unbelievable worship, and I love to worship. So when these worship leaders were there, and they were... Uh, bringing all their orchestra into things. We got lost in the spirit, and you begin to just prophesy and sing prophetically. There's nothing like it, like we get just about every weekend at New Wine Ministries because our musicians are bringing us into a place of worship. And so it was there at that time when this was all happening. And um, these incredible musicians were there, and then I would speak, and the conference ended. When it ended, I went 15 minutes to Holiday Island, Patricia and I, to stay with my Uncle Paul. He lived in this gorgeous three-story house overlooking Table Rock Lake in Holiday Island, five minutes from Eureka Springs. Patricia and I stayed there for a few days together, and she went back to California after Mother's Day, and I stayed on a little bit longer. And while I was there, my Uncle Paul and Aunt June just about every day took me to Eureka Springs, the Passion Play. She took me to where she played the organ at the Presbyterian Church. Uh, we ate catfish. We were there in Eureka Springs just about every day 
while I was there, which was an extra five days, I think. Well, when my time was gone there, I had been reading this book, and it was, uh, it was about the Illuminati. It was a story. It was a really great book. I forget it now, but, uh, but it was confirming things. It was speaking to me in these terms. And I went back to California after the whole Arkansas thing happened. Okay, this is important. Arkansas, Eureka Springs. Then in the month of August, I was invited to speak at another conference down in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And so I went down to Lake Charles, Louisiana. I met Pastor Mike Devereaux. It was more of a black church, if you want to call it black church, okay? But there were a lot of our black brothers and sisters, and I think, well, whatever. So, and I love this, and um, so I'm there, and I'm ready to speak at this conference. And it was my turn to speak on a Saturday night, and it was supposed to be a very upbeat, very positive message. And I got behind the pulpit on Saturday night, and all the notes went out the window, and I began to prophesy, and I began to speak, and I began to warn. And I said, I don't know what's going on here in Lake Charles, Louisiana, because there were a bunch of churches there, and they were all coming, all these different pastors and their congregation, and the place was packed out. And I, rather than giving them this word they were coming to hear, I started warning them that, hey, there's something really wrong in this whole setting here, and there's a judgment coming, and it's going to hit this region. And it was just a really hard word for about an hour. Well, after that, I was done speaking, nobody really wanted to say anything to me except this one very tall black man, about six foot eight with a big afro the size of Montana on his head. And he came up to me and he looked at me when he tilted his head, his hair went, (laughs) that was really cool. And he says, hey, you really believe what you just said? And I said, yes, I do, as I was looking up. And uh, he said, you walk in your talk? I said, I'm walking my talk, the best I can by the grace of God. He said, well, we need to talk then. The next day, he and his wife, well, the conference was wrapping up on a Sunday. The people were all there for the Sunday, but we were out in the parking lot. And we talked for four hours in the parking lot on that Sunday in August. And I had just told Pastor Mike Devereaux the day before as we were driving down the road, I, I, kept, I saw a vision, an open vision of water. And I, see, I, see, I said, I see water in all your streets. I thought it was revival. I said, I see a cleansing coming. And I told Pastor Mike that. Well, here we are now on Sunday, and I'm talking to this man in four hours in the parking lot. And he starts telling me about everything that's ready to happen in this country because of the message that I gave, the judgment, the warning. And some of the things he said I knew. Other things I thought were interesting. Other things I thought, you got to be kidding me. But he went on to it, and he talked for four hours. At the end of the conversation, this six-foot-eight black man with a massive afro said to me, now, when everything collapses, do you know where to go? And I was younger in those days, and I kind of put my shoulders back, and I said, brother, I'm not worried about any of that. I know that I'm in Mount Zion, and I'll be standing in the king. I was so happy about my answer. And he looked at me, and he said to me, that's nice. But do you know where to go when everything collapses? At that moment, the Holy Spirit, like a big check right in my spirit, he checked me, and he said, honor this man 
and answer his question. Hmm. So I kind of looked around and I said, no, I've never considered going anywhere. And he said, have you ever heard of Eureka Springs, Arkansas? And I said, Eureka Springs, Arkansas? I said, I was just there in May for the first time in my life. I was all over Eureka Springs because my uncle lived five miles away on Holiday Island. I golfed there. I fished there. I was in restaurants there. I traveled. I was everywhere. Yeah, I've heard of Eureka Springs. And he said to me, there's a 100-year-old prophecy that in the last days before America is destroyed, that there will be a military invasion from without. And the saints of God, this 100-year-old prophecy said, the saints of God will be leaving from all over the nation, and they'll be gathering into the middle of the country. And many are going to come into northwest Arkansas. Many are going to come, and this will be a refuge in the last days. And while the encroaching armies are coming and war is going on, there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and God's Spirit will come upon those who have gathered together in this place, and there will be an explosion of glory. I'll never forget him telling me all this. This confirmed two or other things, two or three other things that have been happening in my journeys, and this was the one that now I knew. I was in Arkansas on, on purpose. This was not coincidence, being in Lake Charles, Louisiana. This message came as a direct aha. The Holy Spirit just told me where I needed to go. I went back, and we had a Feast of Tabernacle. And it was what we decided to do in 2005 for the Feast of Tabernacles. By the way, uh, like two weeks later after I left Lake Charles, that's when Hurricane Katrina hit. And all the water in the streets that I saw, the cleansing, Katrina means cleansing, that's what happened. And the judgment I warned them about came, it hit, it all happened. In October of 2005, now that that all happened, we were planning our Feast of Tabernacles. Decided in 2005, we were going to take a ship, and I forget if it was Celebrity Cruise or which one it was, and we invited people from around the country to join us on the ship and we were going to do a seven-day cruise down to Alcapoco, Mexico, and back. And that we had the conference room. It was ours. Kaz Rakowski from the water cooler came, and his message was on the Tabernacle of David, the, the restoration of the Tabernacle of David. We had other guest speakers that were with us. <clears throat> and because back in May, Chuck Worth invited me to speak at that conference, I met a bunch of people when I was in Arkansas, and I invited them all to come on the ship. And so through careful preparation, everybody came, and they traveled, and we went to Long Beach, and where they got on the ship, and all this stuff in L.A., and blah, blah, blah. And all the people gathered, and we had a lot of people on that ship, and we began our journey, a seven-day journey, down to Alcapoco, Mexico, where we saw them do the cliff diving, and every day, several times a day, we were in the conference room with the windows out at the sea, 
and we had a blast. We celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days. And while we were on that ship, the people that we had invited from Arkansas that were at this conference that I was speaking at, they were all there, and they were telling us about this place called Bella Vista, Arkansas. They were telling us that there was land that was being given to them, and they were going to build a ministry center, a 24-7 ministry center, and it was in Bella Vista, and, you know, they were giving us all this information. I was listening with half an ear because I, didn't, I wasn't thinking much about uh, Bella Vista or anything like that. I never heard of the place before. Patricia was listening very carefully. But they told us about this. They told us that they were going to have a land given. They were going to build this big ministry center. And, and that was great. Praise God. You guys are doing that. That's from the Lord. Wonderful. Well, we finished our cruise in 2005. Feast of Tabernacles. 2006, 2007, I was um, doing my thing as a pastor and, and doing all of that and continue to do some conference speaking across the country. By 2008, I became convinced that it was time to leave California. And I began in 2008. Uh, I was set up from a friend of mine from Texas who put me on New Wine Radio. I was broadcasting around the world. Over one uh, million hits a month were coming. Uh, we were reading prophecies. We were speaking. I, I jumped into this prophetic mode and just launched, and it, and it, was, it was an incredible launch. In 2009, in October of 2009, we left California, and we came to our property, which God had enabled us to purchase, and we moved. We left. And we came to Arkansas. The day we showed up 